Welcome to the Tim Vaxelbaum Show. My name is Tim Vaxelbaum and I'm a media personality. I'm coming to you live from my acoustically treated studio programming directional equipped room system. It's a systematic process that I am presenting to you via my imagination and vocal cords in coordination with the Republican Party of Minnesota, as well as the AAACP, which is the anacrostic, or well, I don't know, in all, in, in association with the other Republican Party of West Minnesota. And bad up, bad up. Also, we are in affiliation with the Anti-Defamation-League.org. ADL.org is the Anti-Defamation League, bad app. Who's on deck? I'm in the AD, I'm in the AD League. I'm in the Anti-Defamation League. What, what, what? Do you play base? Yeah, I play baseball. What league are you in? Anti-defamation. I'm a catcher. I catch the uh, the anti-Semitism coming from the white supremacists. I, I'm a really good catcher. Banner. Strike one, strike two, strike three. You're out. You're going to hell. These freaking white supremacists are on the other team. They play for the uh, the the clan. Do I have to get more specific? There's many other teams in the league of the Anti-Defamation League. I don't know if that's actually what it stands for now that I'm saying it out loud. I don't think it... Does it actually stand for that? Anti-Defamation League? It's a league? It's a league. Yeah, they're in a league of their own. They're in a league of their own. They're out of my league. How can you call yourself a league if there's no one else playing the game that you're in? Who's the who's the players in the league? The players are the groups that they talk shit about. The league are the people in charge of who they talk shit about on their anti-defamation league. They're the ones It's very complicated. It's very like what is it's ironic. They're anti-defamationers, which means they're against defamation. But they defame people all the time who talk shit about the Jews and stuff. I don't, so I don't get what they're trying to accomplish. We're going to fight racism with hate. They're hating a whole group of people. We're just hating these few individuals. I don't think that's is healthy. I don't think that's healthy. Like, I think it's better to just hate a shit ton of people that are like faceless instead of concentrating it down, just hating, like targeting one person with your hate. It's a little more dangerous to that person, not to the group. Okay. I didn't mean to start. I didn't mean to start by that, by something that uh, deep, that's a deep topic. And by deep, it means like layered. It means like nuance. It means like you could talk about, you could take a college class about it or a degree. It means deep as in like, whoa, man, that is deep. And then people like to say, it's not that deep, man. That's a new phrase from the 2010s. 
my least favorite decade. They go, it's not, it's not deep, man. Yeah, it is. It's perfect. It's insanely deep. Too deep for you to swim in my league. You're in like the baby league when it comes to deepness. When it comes to depth of field. You, you're you barely even in a, a, a 40 millimeter lens. You cacksucker. All right. So anyway, welcome to the show. This is episode 89 of the Tim Fuschelbloom show. Coming to you quietly from my studio apartment complex. I live, it's, I'm just adding words, like word salad. One of my talents is that I'm able to talk about nothing for 12 hours in a row, constantly, without stopping, in a whole stream of thought without stop i could do that for 12 hours i could probably do it for longer but it's just i don't you know it's a waste of drugs then i gotta take meth and that's like 20 bucks worth of meth so we're not doing that this episode we're gonna do about an hour of podcasting this episode eight uh but the point i can though i can yap about nothing for an hour for 12 hours so an hour is like child's play it's like Little League. Doing this for an hour is Little League. Still takes me a lot to do it, though. You've, if you have it, I have a lot of people that follow this, and they, they notice if you're one of those many people that write in, you'll, be, you'll say, he doesn't do it that often. Like it doesn't, he used to do it every week, and then it stopped going, and it's less and less. Well, that's how things work. I have to hype myself up to do this, man. I, I'm a quality over quantity type of guy with this podcast. Like, sure, one time I put out a 12-hour episode, but that's because it was an episode for... It was special. It was episode 69, so I did 690 minutes. It flew by. It was gold. It was dead gold. It was quantity over quality. Now I'm quality over quantity. So anyway, we got a lot to get into this this week. A lot of people died. Nobody that I know or care about except for Matthew Peary. Matthew Peary Perry was a selected actor to star in one of the hit sitcoms of the 90s. He was, he was selected to star in one of them. But the one that he actually ended up being in, he was, he was considered for several of them, but he was selected for one of them. It was the one that was the most normie of them all. Like it was called Friends. It was it was the most normie loved show. It was loved by people that have like a normal life, nine to five. It was a good show though. It was likable. the sh- The characters were likable, except for the women. But the men in that show were hilariously likable, and Matthew Perry was the best character almost he was like the one cracking the 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 slick one-liners and shit he was slick and funny but he was a child at the time he was a child actor and the point is why the reason i bring him up is because he's famous and when somebody famous dies that puts a name to the face so we care so we got to talk about his whole life uh, up until he turned about 36, and then who cares? He wasn't in this series anymore. He was just a guy 
who used to be in a famous sitcom. So the point is, this gets I could keep going. I guess I'm trying to wrap it up to put a make it nice and quick-winded. But we're going to be long-winded here because there's a lot of depth and nuance to this league of a conversation and the anti-defamation league couldn't even touch this topic of interest. He's a person of interest, not for doing anything anti-Semitic. He was a victim of Semiticism, not anti-Semitism. <laughs> he was a victim. I crack myself up sometimes. He was a victim of the Jewish power s- pyramid. It's a, there's some shape that perfectly describes the Jewish triangle of of success, the ladder of power. He was part of that. He was a victim of it because he was given the spotlight. He was given this great opportunity in his 20s as a child. And then what? They didn't want him anymore. They chewed him up, spat him out, and let him deal with life on his own with millions of dollars and nothing else. No friends. See, that's the irony of his life is he was in a hit sitcom called Friends, which was about a tight-knit friend group. In real life, he had zero friends except for alcohol, Vicodin, and Oxycontin. Those were his friends in real life. So he died, he was... He was living so after the show ended, it was horrible because imagine going from being the most famous person of the decade and then going to being having zero career. And that was before podcasting existed, and he was not good enough to do stand up, he wasn't good enough to be a lead actor in movies. And we wanted, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want to do that, and also he didn't have to. That's not the point. He wasn't good enough to do anything fulfilling is the point. Movies are not fulfilling. Stand-up would probably is fulfilling for like the select one in a million type of personality that actually gets fulfillment from stand-up. I, I don't know. That's rare. Most actors are not those types of people. They get fulfillment from glamour, from the glamorization of being in the spotlight and status in being known and irrelevant, and that's it. As soon as you stop being relevant, you, you stop getting the fulfillment. So you, you just go to drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. You can't just say drugs because it's not enough. You know, if you just say, he went to drugs, it's like, that's it? Just one syllable of a problem? No, drugs and alcohol, which are the same thing. But it's just a phrase. I mean, we we get it, Bill Hicks. We we know that alcohol is one of the drugs. We know that alcohol is just another drug. And if you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, the same as any other drug addict. It's just a specific one that we separate because it sounds good to separate it because it's longer, and we like to sound smart by saying longer phrases. He got hooked on drugs. You sound like an idiot. You sound like you're from the middle south of Connecticut if you just say, he got hooked on drugs. It's like, no, he didn't. He got hooked on drugs and alcohol. Go to school, you uncollocated. 
caveman? So the point is, I know that anytime I say that, it sounds like I'm going to try to end, but we're not even close to being done with this subject. So he died. And it was kind of like a slap in the... Like, you know, whenever you read that a celebrity died late at night and you're you're like scrolling on Reddit, and you, just, you just see, oh, Matthew Perry's dead. And then it just hits you. It's like, wasn't he already kind of dead? That's the first thing that I thought. It's like, well, he kind of already was dead. He was like a walking shell of of, of his former... He, he was like an empty shell of a person. He had no life in him. So for me, it was like, okay, he's finally like actually dead. That's okay. Not, I mean, that's sad, I guess. Um, and that did hit me pretty hard. Um, even, you know, I don't sound like it did. I'm sounding pretty morose and like flippant to like... In, uh, very insensitive is how I'm talking about it, but that's only for the the because I'm a man, so I'm not a pussy bitch who talks. It made me cry. It didn't make me cry, but it made me sad for a couple seconds. It's the type of celebrity death that hits you very good in a perf- in a way that gives you a jolt of of dopamine. So that's how it, that's what it did for me is like oh cool that gives you a jolt of energy if somebody that you don't know dies if you don't care if you don't have any emotional attachment to them if you don't know them if they aren't putting out shows anymore you're not going to be like that sad for that long you know I'm sorry it's sad but he's a celebrity so you're allowed to not be sad you're allowed to be insensitive about it Ari Shafir, famously insensitive about famous people dying. And this was not even that bad of a celebrity death because he was already dead. It's like when uh, Lindsay Lohan died, right? She's died, right? Remember when that news came out? Or Amanda Bynes? It's like, finally. Or like uh, Britney Spears. Remember when she died in uh, 2007? It was like, that was shocking, though. That was shocking. Thank God she died, though, because if she was still alive, what would she be doing? She'd be a, she'd be an empty vessel of her former self. It's sad to see celebrities not die is kind of where I'm going to draw the bottom line here. My, Matthew Perry was an old man. He, he lived to like 54. People say he was so young. That's not that young. Picasso... Lived until he was 87. So there you go. But that's not who I wanted to say. I just had... Who I meant to say was uh, that other dude that was very uh, good at music. The guy that was... The music... Mozart! Mozart died when he was 35. So... If we're not crying over Mozart dying at 35, I don't think we could be that sad that somebody dies at 54 who wasn't even doing anything. When Steve Jobs died at 56, that was like a crash in the economy. That was like a crash in culture. India felt ripples of his death. Unknown countries that we've never even heard of on a globe that they don't even bother to write down on a globe felt ripples they heard of Steve's death and they've 
it it blew their hair back and then it blew their spinal column back in a 90 degree angle and shattered them into bits and pieces this is like imagine like covid was nothing compared to the deaths that were caused by steve jobs uh finality his fate that like his his death sent ripples around the world that we're still dealing with he was a real he was actually still putting out good shit when he, he when he died when steve jobs died this ipad was just coming out this ipad was just coming out he put out a, a laptop so anyway, if Steve Jobs was still alive, we would actually be a better person. Our lives would be better. We wouldn't be better people. Our lives would be better because there'd be these things called iPads. I mean, iPods, whatever. That We'd be having these inventions that are amazing. Notice how nothing in this room is an Apple product. All these products that I'm using are designed not in Cupertino. They're designed in Shanghai, Florida, for, for all I know. Malaysia, Kansas City, Missouri. Atlantis, the place that no one's been to, for all I goddamn give a crap. Because Steve Jobs is dead and he's the visionary genius who was only 56 so yeah he was young when he died and you know he had cancer and he tried to save himself by going uh, uh jumping sh across country to get on the top of the waiting list to get liver trans and he got a liver transplant and then what happened it spread elsewhere so it's not his fault and yeah you know, that brings me to another topic Is it okay that he manipulated the medical system to get a liver transplant ahead of all these other people? If you're asking me, my humble opinion is that it's not wrong at all. How many people on those lists invented the iPod Nano? Four? Three? Maybe five or ten, maybe a dozen people invented that besides him on that list. Yeah, that's not very many. They weren't nobody. Maybe some of them are cool, but they didn't have the credentials or the resume that Steve. It's not that it's not even about fame. It's about what he was doing to the world. He was saving the world. By inventing these great genius products that we still use every single day of our lives. Yeah, so Matthew Perry, as, as much as it's bad to say this, but it was his time. I, I'm not even trying to be sappy. I'm not trying to be like uh, overly dramatic when i say this is that if this was his eulogy at his funeral i would literally say he had a good run he died at a pretty good age you know he lived a pretty long life and died the way that 
most people hope to die in a bathtub. A lot of celebrities take baths. Have you noticed that a lot of irrelevant celebrities tend to die in their bath tub? That's how you know you're an irrelevant celebrity, if you're dead in a bathtub. If you ever wake up dead in... Okay, this sounds very insensitive. I'm not... If you ever are about to die in a bathtub, or hey, forget it. If you're just a celebrity who used to, you know, just a wake-up call for celebrities that take baths. If you're a celebrity that happens to take a lot of baths and jacuzzis, whatever you call it, whatever type of bathtub it is, it's a, if it's a jacuzzi, whatever, that's still a bath. If you take baths alone, enough that you might actually die in one, maybe you should consider the fact that you're irrelevant. That's all. Nah, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. He wasn't like that Adam. He wasn't like that other guy who died in a bathtub. Uh, Nick... Adam Carter or whatever, something car yeah, car Aaron Aaron Carter died, I believe, as well in a bathtub. He died not of heroin or any drug. He died of being irrelevant. He died of no of being a loser. You know who didn't die in a bathtub? Steve Jube. So I'm just saying, that's just a wake-up call, people. If you're irrelevant, stay away from bathtubs. If you don't think you're irrelevant, or ask yourself this. Do you own a bathtub? Do you see yourself enjoying that bathtub? Do you enjoy the feeling of warm water and bubbles? Meandering and blubbling, or I can't. I'm not good at vocabulary, but do you like the feeling? I'm not good at like imagery, painting an image, but do you like the feeling of bubbles bouncing around your slick, naked body? That means you're an irrelevant celebrity. I don't care who the hell else you think you are. If you own a bathtub, what you're doing by sitting in that bathtub every night. You're feeling the warmth of the love that you used to have. It's an escape. It's a way to binge. It's a way to cope with the love that is not there anymore. You used to be bathing in love. But now, all you have left over is bathtub water. Stay away from baths. Because uh, most celebrities, I don't know if they're relevant. They don't know if they are relevant or not until it's too late. They actually do know it. It, it hurts. You feel it in your bones. The feeling of irrelevance hurts more than anything. Show business is a drug that is more powerful than heroin. Because there's people that quit heroin. And go back to, I don't know. There's people that quit heroin. There's nobody that quits show business and then says, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovered show business celebrity. I used to be a, so nobody survives 
fame without feeling the pain of losing their fame or their relevance. Like the Smash Mouth guy. The Smash Mouth guy died of fame. That's what killed him. Not of alcohol. Alcohol is just like taking a bath. So anyway, I hope this, I'm hope I'm connecting dots here. Not really, because you know there's a lot of alcoholics who don't have anything to do with show business. They are just undiscovered, talented people. There's no such thing as an alcoholic who isn't a celeb, who isn't like uh, talented in some way. If you're not an alcoholic, you have no chance to make it in show business. So anyway, hopefully, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I don't know why I'm acting like I'm an authority on the subject. I've never been anything. I've never even had a slight glimpse of show business. I don't know what it's like to not be relevant. Um, I know what it's like to bomb at an open mic. And that's all I need to know. Just the feeling of doing well one day and then the next day you do bad, then you'll feel what it's like to no longer be seen as good or relevant. Um, I don't know. Who the hell knows, man? But if you're putting out music like Harris Pilton, uh, she her life is miserable. You wouldn't want to be Paris Hilton. You want to be around her. But being Paris Hilton is a drag. I can't speak for her. I can only speak for people that I actually know, like Britney Spears. Like, she is on my level. Like, she's not, like, above me in terms of, like, I can't... She's not out of my league, is kind of where I'm getting at. She's not on my league. She would date a short guy in his 30s, in his 5'7", who's, like, five foot three. She would... She would date somebody like me because she's from the South. She's not... And, okay, I'm not trying to disparage Britney Spears. It's just that she's in the news a lot these days for putting out some biography about how her life is miserable and how Justin Timberlake is a jerk. Okay, so that's enough talking about celebrities. It's not one of my passions. I don't like talk. I don't like celebrities. It's not that interesting to me. They're lonely. They're lonely because people who hang out, uh, they have no real friends. Their only real friends are just other celebrities because they're the only ones who are on equal terms. And that's only like four people, in, you know, so that's not very many. And they're busy. So anyway, it's lonely. Like, if you're Justin Bieber, who would hang out? He has no friends. So he's the most lonely person on the planet because anybody who's around him just wants his fame and fortune. They don't like him for him. That's the crux of what sucks about being a celebrity like Matthew Perry. He didn't die of being in a bathtub. He died of the crushing sobriety that fame shows you in the how dark the world is, how people only want something from you because you're in a in a freaking TV show. 
I don't give a crap about who you really are as a person. Like, the real Matthew Perry had very little in common with Bing, Chandler Bing. So, like, the real, uh, whatever his name is, didn't care, but he had real emotions that were not just one-dimensional, like a cartoon character. He liked alcohol. I don't know anything else about his personality. He seemed boring. He seemed like the most boring person when he wasn't drunk. And I've never seen him drunk because they didn't film it because that was his real life and it wasn't a reality show. It was a written show. So the point is, most celebrities are miserable drunks. So if you're good, if you like hanging around with miserable drunks, then you could be friends with them. Uh, but if they're sober, they're horrible to be around. Like Steve... Uh, uh, we're going to talk about another celebrity. Then we're going to move on with the podcast. So we're going to talk about Stephen uh, Hawking or what is his name? Stephen King. Stephen King is a dry drunk. He used to be a rabid something or other. I don't know if he was an alcoholic, but he was a cocaine-aholic. And who the hell cares what drug it was? He was a, he's a miserable, baby-boomy, crusty old man. He has more hate in his heart than all the Trump supporters combined. If you took all the Trump supporters and combined them and mushed them together and squeezed out the essence, the hate fluid would, would only fill a quarter of the barrel that Stephen King's hate would fill if it was in fluid form. He's the most vile human being because he's not drinking anymore. And he's not writing... No, He's not putting out good movies anymore. The Shining came out like 40 years ago. So he he needs help. He needs a drinking buddy. He needs, he needs somebody to be in his corner. And like him for who he is, which is a crusty, bitter, dry drunk. And that's hard to find, those people. Because they want him for his millions and millions of dollars. You know how much money he makes in a single day? He's like a billionaire. He makes like $200,000 a day, probably. From royalties, from books that he wrote 35 years ago. So how does he make friends? Does he go to the coffee shop? No, because they would see that he's Stephen King, and they go, "Oh, I want his, mo- I want his fame and money." So they're nice to him, and they go, "Oh, I liked this book that you wrote forty years ago when you were on cocaine." He goes, "Yep, I used to be good at that. Now I just go on Twitter and say the same thing as a bunch of other baby boomers that are exactly the same age as me." And, I'm indistinguishable. <laughs> I have no individuality anymore in terms of that. I'm just an NPC. Go back to drinking alcohol. Maybe you'll flourish. You'll put on one more good book. He is indistinguishable from anyone else who just happens to make their life resolve around politics and school shootings and the Second Amendment and who the hell cares? Oh, there was a mass shooting in your neighborhood. Okay, Stephen King. And why you tweeted about it. He's trying to 
spread propaganda that just because a few people got shot and killed in his area, that means we should care in second and get rid of the second amendment. We should change the constitution because some old guy is afraid of guns and hates Republicans. Like, you could afford to move out of this country, my friend. I'm pretty sure millions of dollars here are also worth millions of God, whatever godforsaken currency another country might happen to use, be it francs, Swiss francs, or beads, whatever the hell. I can't think of any Chinese money, yuan, Japanese yen. I'm pretty sure you could afford to live in any country you want. They might, you could pick the one that has the least amount of guns, but then you'll have nothing to tweet about. So maybe that's the whole point. It's just like you like the feeling of hate. It's the same as that warm bubble bath that killed Matthew Perry. So stay away from bubble baths of hate. Stephen King, I don't want to read about your short, your uh, untimely demise that he died in a tweet storm, that he had an aneurysm from tweeting something so hateful towards Republicans and he just couldn't finish it before dying. And it was going to be his best tweet ever. That was the same as every, you know, about 10,000 other tweets the exact same day. But that's what he's going through. He's disease. He's going through a mental illness. It is chronic, and the only cure is alcohol, probably. And uh, this, is a, this is a sober podcast, by the way. Uh, I'm two years sober. Uh, I'm not saying I condone alcoholism, unless you're Stephen King. Because he's worth $400 million. Nobody wants to suck his dick. Nobody wants to look at his face even, let alone suck his dick. I don't even want to imagine his dick. It's scarier than the cousin it. It's scarier than any book he's ever written. It's scarier than The Shining. How do you... His sex life is where he gets his inspiration for scary novels. Imagine... How, how does he think of this shit? Well... Imagine his sex life. That's how. That's where he gets his demons from. His empty, depressed, embarrassing sex life. He got picked on in school by people that were actually good at sports. Not good at writing. He's good at writing. But that's why he hates Republicans, man. Because he got picked on for being a nerd. Incel. And he's still an incel. In his fifty hundreds, not in his fifties, so I had to say fifty hundreds because I didn't want to change syllables. I didn't want to back out of the sentence, so I just said fifty hundreds. He's in his five hundreds, man. He's old. He's older than than anyone that's ever died before. Like, there's nobody that's lived to look older than him yet in life. Even when he was young. He looked demented. But I'm not attacking him for his physical appearance or his the way he looks and the fact that nobody wants to fuck him. 
I'm attacking him out of love. Because I'm not a hateful person. I would rather be hated by all the persons in the world than be hateful myself, than to have any hate in my heart. Because hate is what causes death. That and being irrelevant. Those two things combined are horrible. Resentment and being unfulfilled as a celebrity is a death sentence. He's doing pretty well, though. He's in his 70s or whatever, and he's doing pretty well. He's tweeting thumb. He's not getting any weaker from my man. He's not getting sore. He's not using it for anything else. We know that. He's not using it to write anything in a novel. He's not using it to pleasure any women. He's not using it to crack any cocaine bottles open and sip them like a can of tonic. Because he's sober and sad and he, he needs help. He needs intervention from sobriety. And that intervention comes in a bottle. So anyway, that's just one person we're talking about. We're like the ADL. We only target individuals. We don't target the whole community at large. In general, we are very against alcoholism. Unless you're a dried up celebrity and that's all you have and that's the only thing that can make you happy Matthew Perry why did he stop drinking man that was the only thing that was keeping him alive not to be quick to get to conclusions I don't I mean who knows um okay that's enough talking about famous people Read, I'm going to read more about... So let's get to me. My name is Tim Vuschelblom. Vuschelblom? I don't know. Vuschelblom? And I am a retail investor who talks about whatever the hell I want because I don't have a family. I don't have a loving, supporting family that would detach themselves from me. I don't have anything to lose except for my house, the clothes on my back, and a bunch of guns and ammunition and a bunch of shell companies and a bunch of foreign dignitaries that are in my pocket and lobbyists and uh, professional sports teams but besides that i got nothing to lose so that's why i'm able to speak my mind freely and without thinking which is the best part because if I was thinking about shit before saying it, I might as well just write it in a book. I might as well just tweet it out or something. What's the point of saying something if it's not coming straight from the shit, from the, from the, from the inside of your balls? I don't speak from my heart. I speak from my... It's a muscle. So anyway, yeah, I, I have freedom to say whatever I want. I'm not a cuck. I don't care. I got nothing to be fired from. I can't be deplatformed because I don't have any following. So that wouldn't really be like anything of a punch in the... F I wouldn't even know if I was deplatformed because I don't look at the results. I don't. All I know is that it accepts the upload. So anyway, so I got, so I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm off the greed, greed, greed. Like Kanye. 
He'll be in this podcast. He'll be on this podcast at some point. He's busy. He's in France getting his ball sack sucked. He's in France getting a professional level blowjob in or uh, Vienna. No, it was in uh, Rome. Or it was in uh, Italy. I forget the name of the place. It started the. He was in a beautiful part of Italy where you're not allowed to get blowjobs in public, but you got a blowjob in public because who cares? It was gross. It's kind of gross to do that. So anyway, he's a good guy. Uh, and there's a lot of anti-Semitism going on these days. And I don't support that. I promote it, but only as a joke. I don't actually support shooting up a concert with innocent Israeli people, if you're somebody that supports the violence towards anybody except for as self-defense or because it's a... Okay, I guess I can't really defend it unless it's from self-defense. You know, some people will be like, you know, they deserve it. It's like, I don't think... They, I don't actually think, like, anybody deserves crimes against their... Uh, like violent crimes being I'm not like actually hateful towards anybody I don't have hate in my heart see I'd rather it be hated than have any hate towards other people so when people say uh, I don't know see that's the thing I don't know where this is going because I don't know anything about the Midwest or Giza or the Gaza Strip Club or Israelis, the Dead Sea Scrolls, ah, Afghanistan. I don't know anything about that part of the country. I don't know if it even is a country or a continent. I don't know anything about uh, Palestine. Uh, the Tower of Pizza, uh, Joe DiMaggio, uh, Piazza, uh, Piazzo. Okay, I'm just saying random. I don't know anything about the <laughs> about uh, Greece, Pompeii, Vesuvius, Mount Saint Helens. Mona Lisa, Saint Mary, Mother Mary, John Lennon. I don't know anything about these people or places. I don't know anything about the Palestinian, Israelo-Stinian, Giza, Gaza, Guza. I don't know nothing about that. And frankly, I don't care. When I hear that there's like a war in Giza, I go, is that, like a, is that like a pizza place? Is that like a place where the pyramids are? Is that even in, in the current day of age? Is, that, is, this, is this like in biblical times? For all I know, we're not even all in the same timeline as other countries that far away. As soon as you go across the Atlantic Ocean... For all I know, they could still be in the 1400s. That's how little I give a crap. So when people say, like, oh, man, this war 
what side are you on, man? I know that you 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 talk a lot of shit about the Jews. It's like, yeah, but I'm talking about American Jews, the ones that I know about, the ones that like I have experience with. I don't know nothing about their home country that people supposedly want to blow up or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. If I had to pick a side, I'll probably pick the Jewish side because I at least know what they look like. I know how they talk. I know how to how they fuck. I know how to communicate with them because uh, they're they. I'm culturally inclined to understand them better as people. So I, I'm on team uh, whoever has the bigger guns. Uh, also, I'm not on a team because I don't know anything about it. So that's the team I'm on. That's my involvement, my understanding, and my wisdom. That's that's all I know about this war, which is less than nothing. What I just illustrated is that I know less than there is to even glean. If you could know anything about this war, I don't even know that much about it. I know negative things about it. I know that it's taken place in the 1400s, for for example, for all I know. I know that it's happening in a place where the pyramids are built. How about that? That's not true. So those are two things that are not true that I think I know. So I have negative knowledge. I have misinformation in my brain. So I'm not here to spread misinformation. I'm just making I'm just pointing out that there's people out there that pretend that they do know something about these things, about this war. And they they get very uh, passionate about picking a side. It's like, well, if you pick one side, you're racist. If you pick another side, you're anti-Semitic. How about See, if if you even pick a side, you look like an idiot. You look like a hypocrite. Unless you're not a hypocrite and you just happen to own up to being one or the other. If you own up to being anti-Semitic and you're consistent, like, no, Muslims are great, then that's fine. But if you're one of these people that just, like, cherry-picks which things you support about Islam, Islamic nations, then you're a hypocrite. It's like, oh, I support the uh, the brown side because... I like supporting minorities because it makes me feel good about myself because I'm not a minority, even though you are. On the grand scheme in the world, you are. Um, but in America, sure. It's a very American thing to support a, a, a global majority when, yeah, in pretending that they're a minority, even though you think they're a minority. It's very, like, very backwards logic. It's very like narcissistically and it's narcissism and it's also not even founded on logic. It's founded on pure uh, narcissism. So anyway, it's like, yeah, these people, they're the minorities. So I support them because it feels good and other people are telling me to and they have the flag. I guess we're supporting this flag. So I support them because I want to be seen as a good white person because I'm a majority. It's like, okay. But then when you hear about Muslims doing what Muslims do best, which is like, you know, blowing people up, throwing gay peoples off of buildings and having women wear 
multi-layers of clothing over their face. Anyway, once you hear that, you go, oh, no, 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 that, that's, that's their culture. That's Islamophobic to call them what they are. Um, they're not, you know, they're not all terrorists, but the ones we're kind of talking about, that's terrorism right there, man. They committed an act of terrorism against these poor people at a concert. I don't know who it was. It wasn't, it was just some opposing, f somebody that doesn't like Jews. Somebody doesn't like Israel. They just killed a bunch of random people. So I'm against, that's not like a good look. That's not a good way to start a war if you want to get support by people that actually have like a conscious, that aren't just ravaged, uh, that don't have a, dis uh, that don't, don't have like fucking uh, rabid rabies that don't have a rabid form of hatred. If you know, I was like, I, I don't really support hatred that leads to violence towards anybody. So I don't know. That's all. I don't know. I don't know. No, that's all I know. I don't care. It's not happening where I live. So hopefully, so I mean, thank God that guns are legal in Israel so they could defend themselves against this, these evildoers, as George W. Bush would call them. These evildoers need to be taught a lesson with bigger bullets, you know, uh, M like the hugest, the biggest bullets, overkill is a necess is a great word to use when you're trying to show that you're not afraid of somebody who's attacking you. We need a, a surplus of ammunitions, of munitions. But they got enough money. They can, they can farm their own guns. They can make their own weapons. We don't have to give them any. Right? I mean, do we have to really give them guns? I mean, Joe Biden, I think, supports Israel. And he's giving them a bunch of guns. And it's like, okay, get you, whatever. If we have enough to... I don't really think it's good to just give free guns away. Because that's a different... That's their problem. I mean, it's a different country. It's their problem. It's not my problem. We need guns. If you haven't noticed, this is a very political Well, We need guns to defend ourselves against these crazy gun people with guns that shoot people because they're crazy, these mass shooters. Have you heard of this? If you live in America, you probably hear on Twitter and uh, the media that there's these mass shootings that are usually conducted by white people, white men that are... And the guns are the things that are causing the problem. It's because we have access to guns, and that's why there's all these mass shootings. So the solution, obviously, is for innocent people to have access to plenty of guns, even more than they already have. Because you might have a gun in your house, but it might not be in the same room as you, and then you have to like run to the next room. And that that every second counts. When you're getting attacked. And if you're outside in public and there's a mass shooting happening, we need somebody to shoot that guy in the face as soon as they start going on a rampage to show them that this ain't going to go down the way you planned, any, you mother cocker. Because it's just a fad. The only reason it's becoming so popular is because idiots don't realize that guns are cool to have on you at all times. So it's like, well, hey, all these dumb people don't like or are afraid of guns, so I'm going to confirm their fear. 
by shooting them with one. And they have no defense. They have nothing to defend themselves with because they're afraid of guns. Well, it's like having, it's like being afraid of spiders. If somebody lets out a, is killing you with a spider and you have no spiders and you're afraid of spiders, how are you going to defend yourself if you have no spiders to defend yourself against that spider with? I think that's a perfect analogy. Phobia does not solve the problem. Like being afraid of something doesn't solve the problem, man. Guns solve problems. What problem can't be solved with a gun? Let's say you have a landlord you don't like. You shoot him with a gun. He's no longer a problem. His body has to be taken care of. But then that's the last you'll ever hear from him. Let's say you're a landlord and you have tenants that you don't like. You shoot them with a gun, they're no longer a problem. They're not going to leave a bad review on Nextdoor, Yelp, or whatever the hell. Guns solve problems. Let's say you don't want to live anymore. Shoot yourself. I'm not saying this is not, I don't condone anything I'm talking about. I'm just saying, theoretically, Let's say you wanted to do that. See, that people are just afraid of guns because they're afraid of themselves not knowing how to use them. They don't trust themselves because they're crazy people. They have these crazy thoughts in their head. It's like, well, you have this thing called self-control. All right, this is boring. This is not going anywhere, man. So anyway, we're going to go on one more topic, which actually has to do with reality and not, you know, like actual every day my reality that I actually experience not like stuff that happens in the news like oh somebody shot 12 people and nobody shot him because they were afraid of guns so they just thought okay if we just distance ourselves from guns we won't get shot well somebody has to if somebody had a gun it would have been a lot less people killed There's people that have owned guns for their whole lives and nothing bad has ever happened because they're not idiots. They have self-control. They, they know how to not kill people or kill accidentally shoot themselves. It's not that hard. Just don't keep it aimed towards your face. Don't touch the trigger. And probably don't even keep it loaded if you're not using it. And always act as if it is loaded. Like, it's such a simple rule, but people are stupid around guns. They get complacent. They go, yeah, whatever. I grew up around guns. I've always had guns in my family. So there are stupid gun owners. Uh, and that is, they deserve to be shot. If you're a stupid gun owner, hey, I can't complain. Hey, I ain't sky crying for you if you acted like the gun wasn't loaded when it was. You should always act like it is loaded because it's like the Pascal's wager. What's the worst that could happen? Nothing. You don't get shot. If you act like it's always loaded, you won't do anything that'll get you in the position to be shot and killed because you're acting as if it's loaded. You're like, well, don't point that at me. It's a gun, you fucking... Don't put your hand on the trigger. It's a gun. It could be loaded, you idiot. If you never do those things, if you always act if it's loaded, you'll probably be more hesitant to put your stupid finger on the trigger and test it and point it at places where it shouldn't be pointed. 
But there are idiots out there that don't abide by that simple rule. So if as long as you're not a freaking idiot and you don't let your kids play with them, then yeah, we should have more. Like, who cares how many of them we have? They're not that dangerous if you just know what they're, how to deal with them. I don't think you should have like a thousand guns per household. Because that would be kind of ridiculous. It'd be hard to keep track of them. Like, okay, I got a thousand of them. I don't know which ones are loaded or anything. About, I don't know. It's hard to keep track. You probably have about three to five guns per uh, bedroom. At the most. I don't want to be over excessive or under excessive because the Constitution is the Constitution. You can have as many guns as you want. I'm just saying on a practical safety level, my recommendation, and this is financial advice, is to have no more than maybe five guns within reach. So, you know, five guns per bedroom. If it's a living room, you got to hide them a little bit. You got to, you know, put one on the wall for decoration and tell people that it's decommissioned and that it's completely not live and it's just for decoration. But you'll know that it's real and ready to go. It's not a prop. Tell people it's a prop. But you'll know that it's no, it's not a prop. That's the thing that's going to be killing you if you're not allowed in my house. At any given, if I don't invite you in my house, that's the one that's going to be. That's the first one you're going to see pointed at your throat. Um, but don't keep it like chambered and ready to go. Like at least don't have chambered weapons without the safety on. I don't like that. That's sketchy because I'm not an advanced gun owner. I don't like having a gun that's just right there uh, that could just fall over and just like maybe somehow trigger uh, the the uh, the weapon. It's somehow, you know, I don't want to have an accidental discharge. Uh, so I, I don't really like to have a loaded gun unless it's out, unless I'm out of the house, unless I'm in public because of course it's got to be loaded unless you have a magazine on one side of your belt and the other is just the empty gun fine make sure there's nothing that i mean either way you always treat it as if it's loaded enough so it doesn't matter and people have to get used to people having guns around them in public people think that oh just because somebody has a gun they're gonna shoot somebody it's like whoa you have a gun on you well, hope we don't get into an argument. I don't want you to shoot me. He's like, I'm not going to fucking shoot you. It's it's for dangerous people. It's for crazy people. It's the, to kill people that are attacking me. It's not to shoot friends. It's not to shoot somebody that I'm hanging out with that I happen to get into an argument with. People, they actually think that. They actually go, oh, don't shoot me. It's like, but I get it. I would be afraid of somebody too if they just had a gun on them and I didn't. And I didn't know them that well. And I don't know if they were like a hothead because some people are fucking hotheads. Those people will be dealt with. If it's not a premeditated uh, mass shooting and it's just somebody who happens to just shoot somebody on the road, which happens all the time, road rage, homicide happens all the time. That's another reason you need to have a gun. Because road raid homicides 
you can't really predict it. You can't do anything to prevent it other than be a super defensive driver and just get out of people's way. You could be the best driver in the world and somebody could get extremely, they could get pissed off enough to start shooting at you. Uh, it's happened. It happens multiple times a year. How would you feel if somebody just started shooting at you and you had nothing to shoot them back with? I would get so angry at them, but also at myself for not having anything to shoot back. Like, of course, I'm going to be angry because if you're to use a gun, you have to be pretty angry at somebody. And if they're shooting at you, that's enough to rile me up to probably shoot back. So anyway, this is dumb. This is like such obvious second grade material here. They teach this stuff in school for like 10 year olds. It's like, this is the most common sense thing. But for some reason, there's still people in their 70s who haven't cracked the code because for some reason, just the thought of Republicans just grinds their gears. And so they, they're afraid of guns. They're like, yeah, I'm afraid of guns too when they're pointed at me. That's why I have my own. So at least I'll go out shooting. I won't go out defensively. And also, you can't just sh pull a gun at somebody for no reason. It could escalate a situation and cause you to get shot a lot quicker than if you didn't even pull a gun on them. They have to already be shooting at you. Or they just have to be in a position where you're legally allowed to defend yourself. They don't have to be shooting at you. They could simply be lunging at you with a knife. They could be shooting other people. They could be in your house at the wrong time. They, all I have to do is break into this window. And if it's nighttime, I have full clearance to blast their brains into a different subdivision, into a different zip code. They, I could take their brain, punt it, punt that thing into a different time zone. Perfectly legal. It'd be crazy. It would be out of the big... Is that legal? That you, you you put that guy's brain in a different time zone? Didn't it didn't have to go through customs, man? Like you, you, you punted his brain into Mexico. Hope he has a passport. Oh, wait, he's dead. He doesn't need a passport. See, that's how serious I am when I talk about these things. I don't fiddle around with uh, home defense. Because I have very, very high-end coffee equipment that, that make... Like, I have, I have a very fancy espresso machine. And that is worth more than the lives of anybody. I mean, who anybody who breaks into my house. Not anybody. I shouldn't have ended the sentence there. I'm not saying anybody in the world is worth less than my coffee machine. I'm saying, I, I, for some reason, I decided to just be like, that's where I'm going to end the sentence. But no, I, I value people's lives more than my coffee machine. Unless they're trying to destroy or steal my coffee machine. Then, they're just a pile of meat that's going to be shot out of a cannon to Mexico, deported to Mexico. Whether they immigrated from there or not, they're going to be deported to Mexico if they try to 
fuck with my coffee maker. It's a Mr. Coffee. Okay. This was a fun episode. I didn't talk about anything that is actually going on in my life because this is not a vlog. This is an infotainment, professionally mixed and mastered podcast where I use plugins that cost money. I don't steal plugins. This is going through a de-esser and multiple compressors and a limiter to get to your ears. All right, that was a dumb way to end this podcast. Anyway, it was episode 6089 uh, of the TV Show. Peace, love, in the Middle West.